0: Welcome to Spring of Life. My name is Mike Luzinski, and I serve as the lead pastor here. I'm so glad you're taking the time to grow in your faith through scripture, preaching, and the conversations on our podcast. Have you ever had questions or doubts about faith? I know I have. We'll be asking hard questions like, why do some Christians do evil things? Why is there division in God's church? And how do I share my faith? The Bible has a lot to say on these important questions and more, so let's dive in.
1: Our scripture today comes from Matthew 28, 21, 28 through 32. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. And the father went to the second son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, The tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: So in the month of September, we've been on a journey exploring different questions of faith. And I want to remind us, why do we wrestle with questions in the first place? Because it leads us to deeper faith, deeper relationship, a deeper connection to Jesus Christ. And so we started with a pretty simple question, how do I share my faith? You might remember we we talked about Scary billboards we see on I-75 that talk about heaven and hell. And we talked about sharing our faith as an invitation into the fullness of life in Christ. The week after that, we talked about why is there so much division in the church? It's something that people outside of the church see, and it discourages them from wanting to participate in the things that God is doing we acknowledge that, yes, if you read the New Testament somewhat closely, not even that closely, you'll see conflict in the church is nothing new. And yet, there is a mission that unites us. And if we have conflict and division that, that gets in the way of that mission, then that's something that we need to separate from. But that's different than disagreements. We even use the example of carpet color as a disagreement, not a division. Then last week, we talked about why do Christians do evil in the name of God. Reverend Dr. Gary Mason came and shared about that with us, and what a, some of what he did was acknowledge that many evil things have been done in the name of God, but he made a distinction as well, that toxic theology, his words, is... It can lead us away from who God wants us to be. And so part of the role of the church is to name bad theology for what it is, to call it out and to say, yes, we acknowledge that, but we know that that is not who God is. And that leads us to our final question of faith today. What is more important, correct belief or practice? And to understand that question, we're going to sit with this parable that Jesus tells about one son who says yes with his words and no with his actions, and another son who says no with his words and yes with his actions. And so, kids, as you're finding your seats, I have a question for all of you today. Can you tell me about a time when you said you would do something, but you didn't do it? Who can raise your hand and tell me about a time when you said you would do something but you didn't do it? Yes. Clean the bathroom. bathroom. You said you would clean the bathroom, but then you didn't clean the bathroom. That's a good example. Any other examples? Yes. um, Oh, wow. So you and your sister pretended to take out the garbage. You said you would take out the garbage but you didn't actually do it. Any other examples? Yes. All your chores? Uh-oh. You know you're sitting with your family. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so you said you'd do your chores but you didn't do them. Any other examples of saying you'd do something but not not doing it? Yes. Cleaning up your room. Yeah. Yeah. We say we do it, but we don't. Yes. Oh, so someone said you had done something, but you didn't actually do it. Yeah, you were you were fighting with your sibling. Yes. Ah, so you, this morning, you said you would empty the dishwasher, but you didn't do it. Well, good news, there is still time to do that, and there is grace, and that... That actually kind of segues a little bit about where we might be going later, so that's a good one. Yes. Ah, setting the table and cleaning the table. Yeah, you said you would do it, but you didn't do it. Thank you for all of those examples. Uh, I know for me hearing that, it's kind of relatable in that there are times where what we say and what we do are not connected, and we acknowledge that. And so, as we take this idea with us into the parable, I want to set the scene. Jesus is having a conversation with the church leaders, uh, but maybe it would be more true to call it an argument, that Jesus and the church leaders are having a tense conversation where they're disagreeing about what's going on. And remember, we're pretty far along in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 21, This is the same group of people that would later convict Jesus and hand him over to the Roman government. But these leaders asked him this question, by what authority do you do your ministry? And Jesus begins to respond with another question. Jesus is incredibly clever. See how he didn't just start answering their question, he responded. He said, well... By what authority does John the Baptist do ministry? Because, after all, John the Baptist was the one who baptized Jesus. And so, you can almost imagine the the Pharisees and the church leaders kind of huddling together and they're saying to each other, well, there are two ways to answer this question. If we say it was from heaven, then Jesus is going to say, my authority is from heaven too. But if we say it was from, from humans, well, all the people in our church really loved John the Baptist. They believed that he was sent from God. We can't, we can't look them in the eye and say that John the Baptist's authority was human. And so you know what those church leaders decided to do? They chose not to answer the question. So they didn't really say anything. And so Jesus says, again, this is the Mike paraphrase, Okay, fine, I'm not answering your question either. And so with that lull in the conversation, Jesus then segues to this parable. And we hear this parable as a critique of the church leaders. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later, he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. The Scripture poses the the question about which one obeyed his father. But before we get to that, I think this passage is very relatable, you know, I'm imagining the parents are hearing this parable and saying to themselves, amen, been there, <laughs> seen that one before, uh, but we, we acknowledge that there's an answer. Which son obeyed his father? Raise, raise your hand if you think it was the first son who said no, but went anyway. Do you think it's that one? Yeah. Raise your hand if you think it was the second one who said yes, but didn't go. Much less popular. Okay. Okay, so yes, it seems like the first son was the one who got it right, but you might be thinking to yourself, wait a second, he was the one who said no. But what we're, what we're implying here, what you all just implied with the way you raised your hands, is that there is a priority of actions that is greater than words, We have to remember the context of who Jesus is talking to, like I've been saying. These church leaders who think they're right and are convinced that everyone who doesn't agree with them is wrong, Jesus then has this to say after they said the first son. He says, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and sinners will get into the kingdom of God before you, for John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him and they did. Much like what our, our young friend said earlier about washing the dishes or taking the dishes out of the dishwasher, sometimes we think of this as a static moment in time that is permanent. But guess what? There will be more dishes in the dishwasher in the future. <laughs> there are more opportunities for all of us to say yes with our words and our actions. What Jesus introduces in this parable is the dimension of grace and the time we have for grace to be active and functioning in our lives. He says that the people who said no, the tax collectors and sinners, had an opportunity to later say yes, and they did. And they said yes with their actions and their words by believing John the Baptist, even though earlier they had said no with their actions and with their words. True belief is demonstrated with actions. True belief is demonstrated with actions. And this is part of the disconnect that we experience sometimes when our words and our actions are not aligned. They're not working together. You know, the the modern North American church has spent a lot of time and energy on orthodoxy. Raise your hand if you know that word, orthodoxy. All right, most of you, do you know what it means? It means right belief. It means believing correctly. And the church spent a lot of time hammering out every detail of the creeds, hammering out what we believe and what we don't believe, and creating a clear boundary with that. We call that orthodoxy, and that is a a big part of our faith. You know, examples would be the Apostles' Creed. We believe in that. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in our church doctrine, all of those things. But here's another word I'm curious if you've heard of this one before. Have you ever heard the word orthopraxy? Okay, some of you. Yes. Uh, The people who've gone to seminary are raising their hands. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, But this means right practice. Right practice. And this is something that is very valuable as well. It's important that we live out our faith well, that we practice our faith rightly. I say this because one of the greatest harms to our collective witness as the church is what people perceive as hypocrisy. And again, this is nothing new. This was something happening in the church of Jesus' day. Actually, we could read this story about the church leaders and the argument they're having with Jesus and say, you know what that smells like? Hypocrisy. (laughs) It smells like hypocrisy. Because what they're saying and what they're doing are disconnected. They're not working together. And there are many different examples of this. But you you think about when people experience hypocrisy, the reaction is often to get upset. As I was remembering this, I I thought back of uh, a few years ago when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. There was a a big megachurch there that was accused of hypocrisy because they were slow to open their doors to help flood victims. And people got really mad about that. Why? They got mad because the church proclaimed to care for the poor, but when given a dramatic and huge need, they didn't see the church as responding adequately to follow through on what they had proclaimed about caring for the poor. When right belief and right practice align, it's a beautiful and powerful thing. You know, the, the answer to this parable, if there is an answer, maybe it's dangerous to say there's an answer to the parable, but it seems that when you distill it all down, what does God want from us? Correct words, correct belief, and correct action. I almost wish there was a third son that said, yeah, dad, I'll do it, and he went and did it, but that would make the story too easy. (laughs) Then it's not a parable if there's a third son who says yes and yes again, but we see the beauty of this aligning. It makes me think of the quote that's often attributed to Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. What I find so powerful about that quote is that it reminds us that our words, our belief, and our actions are united, that they're one. I'd say that most of the people in our community have heard the phrase, Jesus loves you. But I'm much less certain that most of the people in our community have experienced the love of Jesus in a real and tangible way, in a way that connects with their heart, in a way that leads them to deeper faith. See, this is the opportunity we have to be a church where we say we value people and we are believed because of the way we treat people. You know, a church like the early church that said they valued the poor And people joined their community because they saw the amazing missional work they were doing to help the poor. Or even in our church, we say we value children. And people walk in our space and they say, wow, you have all this stuff for kids. And we say, yeah, because we value children. This is who we are. This is our identity as a community. You know, imagine the hearts and minds we could change of people who have been hurt by the church or burned out by the church by doing the very simple act of aligning our words and actions, building trust, doing ministry with integrity. This is the call that Jesus is challenging for us. And so, yes, right belief is important, but we can't be so focused on right belief that we forget that the point of the belief is to guide our words and to guide our choices, and to guide our actions. That God is calling us to bring these together because true belief is demonstrated with actions. Let us pray. Holy God, we want to do right with our words and with our actions. Give us faith to follow you so that your love may be known through our lives, Amen. If you have questions or want to talk further about this message, I'd love the chance to talk with you. Visit us online at springchurch.org/connect, or email me at pastor mike at springchurch.org. I look forward to hearing from you.